Welcome to Backlog Dialogues, the podcast where we take you out of your backlog before it buries you. I'm John. Joining me as always are the Cora and Clue to my Rinsler. So why are you just going that you're not going to speak today? <laughs> I'm I Jared. think that's a, too tall of an order for John there. Would that would that be your preference? Would you rather I not speak? Would, is, would you just like this podcast to be a conversation between you and Matt? I mean, I think in the final form would just be me just saying whatever the voices in my head have to, to share. But, you know, you go with what steps work. I mean, well, you could just write essays and do podcasts by yourself. I've totally listened to podcasts that are literally just a guy narrating a script with uh, <laughs> ominous music for 40 minutes. And like for a, for a few episodes, it's fine. It's just like, that's interesting. And then at a certain point, you realize this guy says the same phrases the same way all the time. And I can't tell the difference between anything that's actually happening and what he's telling me. <laughs> that's why it's good to have podcasts with multiple hosts. That's why I remember something of no cat talking about that brutal history or whatever guy. Uh, hardcore history. Hardcore. Yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> Regardless, if I'm Quora, that means I'm unimportant and nothing I say matters. And if uh, if Jared is Clue, then uh, he's just monologuing to himself about various evil plans, right? So. Oh no! I mean, Clue doesn't actually monologue. He just tells people what he's thinking. He just he has no internal life. He just sort of uh, smirkingly gripes at people. So I think we've alluded to each other's names, but I don't think you've said your names. I said oh, Jared. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm Matt. <laughs> And today we are visiting the grid, the world formerly known as Space Paranoids. Yeah, not exactly. You need, you need to strap in because there's there's a lot to explain this one, weirdly enough. Yeah, this is a weird one. This is a really weird one. My notes are once again filled with freakish facsimiles because this is another live action to video game world translation. Even though we've switched from a console to a handheld here, going from the PS2 to 3DS, I think their necromancers level up a bit because now he's using the stronger create undead spell rather than animate dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for some reasons, these ones just look a wee bit better, and I'm not quite sure why. We can get into that. But before we do, I've never seen Tron Legacy, just like I've never seen Tron. So this world is weird to me. But let's talk about Tron Legacy before we get into this. <laughs> what the heck is Tron Legacy? Well, Tron Legacy was a very late sequel to the original Tron. Uh, cynically, it was so that nobody could make Tron anything to update the copyright. Classic Disney. What a card. <laughs> I don't know for sure that they uh, did it entirely to defend the trademark because they went work for years on this one. It's a little weird to do that just to uh, defend something with a with a with a thrown together story. It, it kind of feels like Disney wanted to make their own Matrix. They, they jumped on Tron and the directors kind of fought back saying we should make something more high concept. Now, the original Tron, even though most of it actually isn't CGI, is one of the first movies to have any computer animation originally in it. Disney animators w wouldn't work on it because they thought that CGI would put them out of business at the time. Mm. So anyways, like so it was it came out in 2010. It was meant as a sequel to the original movie there. It, it stars, of course, Jeff Bridges. It also stars Gareth Hedlund, who I can't remember anything else he's been in, playing Jeff Bridges' character's son, as you do. Mm -hmm. And basically, it was a reasonable success. On a budget of 170, it made 400 million back. And there were plans for more sequels. Like, this is a very, already a very strange story about how the computer world's getting more hostile. And at the end, a computer program comes out into the real world, which makes no sense whatsoever. However, the sequel was canceled, and it wasn't Tron's fault. Who was, whose fault was it? It was actually a fault of a completely different movie. Specifically, I believe the movie at fault was um, freaking Tomorrowland. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so it's Brad Bird's fault. 
<laughs> leaving aside all the best jokes about about bird i know everyone likes there but tomorrowland was a commercial clusterfuck let's be clear it failed utterly i didn't see it <laughs> they greenlit a third tron movie and suddenly soon after tomorrowland destroyed things live action movies started getting shut down and tron tron 3 was probably the most visible even the directors go on record saying i'm pretty sure tomorrowland is why this was canceled at this point pretty much all of disney's live action stuff is uh, Marvel and the live action adaptations of their old cartoons that are all I mean, still advised. Even as recently as last year, there's an occasion like the corpse is twitching and Disney's thinking of something and they're putting together that, you know, that Tron light cycle coaster at Disney World to imitate the ones they've done at other Disney. Parks. Oh, and Star Wars. They've been doing Star Wars, too. But <laughs> yeah, so there's something I, there. I honestly kind of feel like Tron Legacy was not as iconic as the original Tron, though it wasn't terrible, just not as good the thing is that the original tron i kind of feel like is emblematic of that retro futurism or cassette futurism kind of vibe and it really nailed that and like it actually had like a lot of interesting futurism concepts in it that actually bore out in surprising ways uh, even though it was so early it did and i like it but its plot is pretty thin Okay. A lot of Tron is built on the visual spectacle back then. And the interesting idea is like, we really think these uh, um, playing snake with these light cycles is is really exciting. So we put that in for a while. Mm -hmm. They also have a problem with Tron Legacy, I guess. I I kind of felt like Tron Legacy was trying to cross Tron with with reboot and a whole bunch of other like things together. And it was weird. I I don't know how much I agree with that. There's really nothing I. It's weird to think that. But I mean, Reboot was clearly inspired by Tron, right? Yes. I would say it's pretty clear that. I just don't know where in Legacy you would say that it went further into the reboot level. It actually kind of went more into Matrix style naval naval gazing philosophy. And I don't think it's bad at it as much as it kind of can make something not always give this strong an impression because of that. Mm. Okay. I mean, we basically got a whole sins of the father, evil side, um, fall into darkness through being controlled by cult leaders, all sorts of insane stuff happening. And then, you know, uh, Daft Punk music filling the entire thing, including (laughs) them actually playing at a nightclub. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Where Michael Michael Sheen once again plays a where Michael Sheen once again plays a very over the top, ambiguous character is how, how best to put it. So I guess we should talk about the characters for a second. Sure, go ahead. But <laughs> I don't know anything about these. <laughs> yeah, our protagonist Sam is—he's our generic, grizzled, vaguely grizzled white guy. He's very much a pinball protagonist. He basically gets led around by the nose for the whole movie. By yeah, he's—he's like your—he's like your your late teen, early twenties guy. His dad was owning the company after everything went down in the eighties, where he ousted David Warner, but then he vanished like ten years ago. And now he's this sulky kid that shows up for that shows up for board meetings just to kind of ignore them. This minor juvenile delinquent stuff though he's way too old for it. Oh no! <laughs> and lives in a weird open house on a cliff. I, I I can't get that image out of my head. I'd have to look it up again. But yep. I'm just curious. What is the technology level of the real world in Tron Legacy? Uh, not too far from 2005 to 2010. Yeah, I okay. can't say it's perfectly there, but we don't spend much time there, so it's hard to really adjust. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like we that he's the son. I say, as I say, he's the son of our original of our original hero, Flynn, played by uh, Jeff Bridges and still so Jeff Bridges is suffering from playing two roles here, one of which he's using one of the first examples of digital de-aging. 
It's not the worst effect I've ever seen, but you can tell it's early. Mm-hmm. At the point of this cameo by the Scarecrow from Batman Begins, apparently set him up as a villain of the third movie. No, really, it's it's Killian Murphy. He if wow. he's there for he's there for a minute. Did. He's probably gonna be a villain in the third one. Um, Sam goes to his dad's old arcade, and no, it's an '80s arcade. Of course, it's now a uh, moldering ruin that no one goes to. Uh, topical. <laughs> Should go to round one or something. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, his dad left his super secret transport you into the computer machine there. And somehow it's still functional, even though he's been gone for a decade. Once we go into the computer again, we end up meeting the father character, Flynn, again. We actually first meet Clue before the whole uh, ambiguous element. Clue is the de-aged version of Bridges. We find out that somehow Bridges made a logical computer copy of himself and then named it after the character that dies in the, in the first act of, of original Tron. Yeah. Hmm. And so he's like, I'm not your father, Sam. And he just he, he wants to use Sam. And so he throws him into the games and a lot of stuff happens. Like he meets Liv Random Wild. Question. Yep. Is Clue something like a nobody? <laughs> mm, the idea is that Clue is a, is a creature that desires perfection. So he's an he's a, he's a rampant AI. Yeah, they, they don't actually like what you call they don't play this up in Kingdom Hearts, which is kind of a shame. But I could see the idea that of Clue as a nobody, which is interesting. Yeah, unfortunately, we're not going to do anything with nobodies in this game. <laughs> He's a duplicate of Flynn, but he doesn't have really emotion. and He doesn't really understand things as Flynn made him to make everything perfect. No, wait, he'd be a replica. That's what he'd be. <laughs> yeah, and he kind of goes to the whole humanity is imperfect mo- mode pretty quickly. Got it. He'd probably get along very well with Vexen. Sorry, Sorry. I think, no, Vexen would piss him off for being a smug asshole. I'm actually pretty sure that Clue would try to kill him. I'm not joking. So when they actually meet the real Flynn again, he's a bit more interesting and he more or less runs the plot. Once we meet him, he kind of looks like a neon Jedi almost like his. He has like a robe going on, but the insides of the robe have these glowing bands inside and it very Hmm. much looks like a neon Jedi. And I'm not even the biggest fan of the Big Lebowski, but he still looks like the dude as a Jedi as well. He's, you know, he's, you know, he's heavier than he was when he was younger. He's kind of got that his face is a little bit softer looking there. And he's wearing the big robe. It kind of looks like he's, he looks like he could have been in his bathrobe, except it has except it has, you know, the well-known Tron lines on it. Gotcha. I remember I wasn't the only one to make the joke. There. I, said, I never even seen that movie. <laughs> Yep. So and the other then, characters yep. were there's really only like two or three characters worth mentioning other than that. Yep. And there's only one other in this game, right? No, there's two. Wait, first, there's Olivia Wilde's character, Cora. It's Q-U-O-R-R-A. I think it's pronounced Cora. I forget. Yeah, Cora. It's pronounced Cora, like the main character of the sequel to The Last Airbender, Legend of Cora. Right. <laughs> so basically... She's the she actually is stuck as the MacGuffin of the movie. I feel bad for her. She gets to do yeah. the your standard '90s OOS action girl stuff, but she's the but she ends up being the MacGuffin and a good chunk of time as the damsel. Anyways. Because she's supposed to be like a called a naturally occurring AI, basically. The term they use is isomorphic algorithm. I don't know yep. computer science. Do those words mean anything together? Not really. Nope, it's that's techno babble. Yeah, like basically one day while Flynn was developing the grid, he vaguely keeps saying the grid could save humanity, but he never really says how he runs into like this group of random people and they were the ISOs. They were naturally occurring programs, which were very human like, like they weren't just programs. although most programs we see in the uh, movie 
seem to have emotion, have the knowledge of things such as betrayal, self-interest and all that. So I don't know how the Isos are different, but they just are OK. But they weren't perfect because they weren't logical. So Clue killed all of them except Korra, who's been kind of helping Flynn. Yeah, this is all sounding incredibly Gnostic. How Gnostic is it compared to the original Tron? But original Tron is kind of amusingly Gnostic because you have warring gods with the different users and that. And mm-hmm. Flynn is in full Messiah mode because he's like performing miracles, saving people, sacrifices himself at the end. It's it's not subtle. Okay, this one cool. is more in the philosophical Gnostic again, like which kind of actually leads me to our fallen hero, Rinsler. Oh, boy. Rinsler is a name that doesn't make sense. No, no, it doesn't. Who is he? <laughs> Rinsler is Tron because we took the title character who was a supporting protagonist anyways, and we had him save Flynn years ago, which led to him being horribly mutilated in some unclear way and brainwashed and turned into Clue's faceless soldier with a big faceplate covering any like physical feature. So he literally just he's a stormtrooper. Okay. They they made Tron into a random computer Nazi. I don't understand why. Which is funny. Do they explain why in the movie? <laughs> oh, yeah, because Tron is a kick-ass fighter and he's he's his enforcer. So they don't explain it. Got it. <laughs> yeah, he's the only guy who dual wields his chakrams. Yep. He kicks everyone's ass. No one stops him. <laughs> yeah, Tron is kind of supposed to be like a very powerful antivirus, we know. So I guess repurposing him made sense. He was, he was a general security program because antiviruses weren't really a thing to think of back in the 80s. But, yeah, it's the uh, same function. OK, got uh, it. And the thing is, they have Bruce Boxleitner. They even show the human version of him because all users and programs in the original movie like were the same people. One user made one program or something. I don't know. I will say that Quarry is kind of like a less cool version of Lee from CrossCode in many ways. <laughs> mm. Let's jump into the reference that she's actually trying to be, which is Trinity from The Matrix, I'm guessing. True. That's true. Very much so. I mean, if you look at, you look at the haircut she has. Yeah. <laughs> She's very trying to be much be Trinity from the Matrix. You're the right. thing is, core is entirely the I would like to see the human world. That is my one line of motivation. OK, let's do stuff. At the end, she's kind of feels like she's Sam's trophy that went to the real world with him. And so that's uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, that, that's very that uncomfortable. gross. OK, Ugh. so that is a lot about Tron Legacy. Let's see what Dream Drop Distance did with it. <laughs> Shit, I'm thinking that one tweet. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. Sora. Side. Wasn't that a meme on Twitter just recently, by the way? Yeah. Wait, what? Uh, you know, like yeah, uh, joke about podcasts in, getting yeah. Oh, yeah. Minutes into the episode. <laughs> Let's dive in. That's actually yeah. true this time. <laughs> I've actually. Yeah, I've been thinking of that for the last five minutes. <laughs> and hey, we're literally diving in because guess what? Ready, set, dive. You can hear this music as it starts right now. <laughs> yep. So Sora's dive has you face against a boss this time, the Brawly Mari. So now I just I, I we've made several jokes on this. Like, I know that you were annoyed that we didn't have the Smash Bros. Splatoon fusion game <laughs> with that name. But yeah. I'm now imagining all the Brawl characters being wrapped up in a Katamari. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I can see that, too. Yeah, the, the, the these Pikmin are much too small. Yep. Anyway, this fight's really annoying because you have to. Like, I forget exactly how it works. I think you have to get him to turn around so you can actually hit his weak spots. And to do that, you have to destroy a bunch of other parts of him. And it is just like 
Wait, no, but that's the queen bee thing. I forget. Almost I forget. all of them, almost all of them use a trick where you have to know the break at certain like attack tells because the attack fills the screen, but you can sort of break behind it. It doesn't yeah. look like that at all, but maybe in the 3D it was a little clear. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's made more annoying by the fact that on the current version that you can reasonably play it on, it is not a, a stereoscopic 3D effect. So it is difficult to avoid attacks. My video game depth perception is a little weird sometimes. Like in real life, my depth well, perception is normal. Sometimes in games, I can get really tripped up there. So, so well, here's the problem. Um, 3D games have a general problem of the fact that they're projecting a 3D image onto a 2D screen. And so you always have to do some tricks to make the 3D effect actually work, such as dropping a shadow down at the character's feet, which is sort of like what Mario 64 realized was one of the things you need to do. Uh, I think a lot of old platformers didn't do that and they were really annoying to control. The, the uh, yeah, the the 64 eras uh, platforms is quite a uh, quite a battlefield of figuring oh, yeah. it out, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Um, but so with Dream Drop Distance, they're like, oh, we don't need to do that for these dive sequences because we're on a 3D screen. Players will never need to worry about that. Right. And then they remade it. <laughs> well, anyways, these boss yeah. fights are annoying because they go through long patterns as well. So you got to one cycle if you're perfect. If not, yeah. you have to go through the whole damn thing again. We'll talk about that in completion. <laughs> That's ominous. <laughs> <laughs> Sora finds himself in a world that looks almost but not entirely unlike space paranoids. Share and enjoy. <laughs> yeah, but Sora has somehow figured out where he is anyways. He's actually really on top of his game of, of, of noticing patterns for once. Yeah, well, I mean, he's in a strange uh, outfit that Donald didn't give him, but is still very techy. So obviously this is Tron's world. I mean, he was just in a strange new outfit two two jumps ago, so. But then he gets distracted by a crane bot as the title card shows up. The Grid. <laughs> yeah, The Grid is like there's lots of rail grind slides on the floor is the main flow motion attraction of this world. And that can get pretty annoying to be fighting enemies and suddenly be rail grinding. There's also a lot of platforming, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's these huge slopes where you can either platform and or rail grind. It kind of gets turned this big confusing. Where the hell did I just go? Yeah, this level is probably the hardest to navigate of all the Dream Drop distance levels, if I'm being honest. It's also kind of like a big circle of areas like there's so many paths that's just like branching in and out of each other. I don't like navigating it and I had to navigate it so much. Now, the reality shift for this world is fun if used limitedly, but I kept forgetting about it, so it caused me no end of problems to not try to use it. Oof. The, the reality shift in this world is a hacking minigame. And unlike hacking minigames and a lot of other things, it's pretty easy to do. All you do is you press two buttons. Well, at first you have to open a reality shift, and I had completely forgotten when I was playing the grid that that was the reality shift indicator I was seeing. So I'm like, ah. how do I get through this wall? So when you open it, you get a bunch of matrix text popping up, almost yep. literally. And you find the matrix text that you want and make a thing blow up or make a thing go under your control or change the door from closed to open for. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Like you're changing a word, like you're changing coding in a very simple Hollywood sense. So it's fun yeah. when you remember to do it. Yeah. <laughs> when you go to logical extension that you get, you find out, I don't know, Baba's you. Hmm. Sora is Keyblade. <laughs> is Keyblade. Sora has yes. Keyblade. Sora has Keyblade. So that means if you kill Keyblade. Sora, he drops a Keyblade. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do see some possibility of this, so apparently he can drop it anyways if you give a good enough argument why he doesn't deserve it. Anyway, let's catch up with Sora, who just found himself caught in a weird crane bot. <laughs> <laughs> Which means he's immediately run foul of the guards. Yep. 
and like sentries approach him and ask him to identify by asking Give for his handle. Provide your handle. And I love this Sora line. I uh, don't have any handles, but the name's Sora. I'll <laughs> <laughs> see Sora isn't Keyblade because then he would have a handle. You're right. <laughs> uh, so the, the, I I just love how how silly Sora is sometimes. Oh, he's so great. <laughs> it's like the guard just plows over that. I like, go oh, handle Sora not found. Yep. There, and so he just isolates Sora for quarantine. So I guess the security has actually advanced the antivirus after all. You're talking about Matt. We got McAfee here. Yep. Uh, McAfee is not good. It is basically ransom rare. Well, yeah, but you don't think these guys are going to ransom you? Valid. <laughs> Sora's response to them grabbing him is, that is so unfriendly. Yep. But he breaks not, away, so we get to escape. Not very user friendly here. Nope. Uh, Sora can't computer, so he wouldn't know the phrase. True. True. <laughs> or is that later? No, he, we know we know Sora can't computer. Sora can't computer yeah, just, as early as Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> So, yeah, he just so, yeah, he completely just he books it. And now we're now we're in like sort of a running and fighting scenes where enemies are spawning at different places. You go through the level, of course. Yep. And eventually run into a guard with two chakrams and a trio of freakish facsimiles. Watch <laughs> the freakish facsimile of Jeff Bridges says Tron. He's alive. And I have in my notes. Boy, Tron legacy seems weird. <laughs> it's, it's mostly techno music. But it <laughs> makes like, you wonder how if they do a sequel since Daft Punk is, is over. Will they what will they do this? True, true. I mean, Daft Punk only ended recently, though. Right. So yeah. te- theoretically, at the time where they were making Tron 3, they would still have Daft Punk around. Right. Yeah. But there are still stirrings of life. Like they claim there's a new director assigned. So I do wonder. It's kind of like Philip Glass by way of, of, of Daft Punk. You're kind of in the whole mood music slow style for much of it. Maybe they could get Amamanaguchi this time. That's how you say that, right? Interesting. <laughs> I do not know. I don't know. I don't know either. Chip tunes are the are the Tron thing, but maybe it should be. <laughs> well, I said they went full trance techno, so that would be a big change. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. The 80s was just 80s music, as you might expect. Yep. The freakish facsimile of Olivia Wilde notices the Keyblade and finds it weird, which I think makes it the first character to comment on how strange the Keyblade is to be a weapon. Well, I mean, they only fight with they only fight with Chakram discs, so anything would be weird. He could have still has wooden sword and they'd be confused. So what you're saying is that Axel would actually make perfect sense here. <laughs> oh, shit. Axel's actually from the grid. Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> I'm just laughing now. It's like Axel is the only one who can beat Tron or Rinsler. Excuse me. Oh, Ugh. I got to say Rinsler. It's kind of funny. The name came from an author who was also, I believe, an executive for your Disney and our company, whose book was literally on the table, like a sci-fi book was literally on the table when they were discussing what the name this version. Mm-hmm. Kind of a kind of a cute little, you know, tribute to someone who apparently someone the writing respects, but it's a bad name for Evil Tron. I mean, if you yeah. want to call it Tron, maybe you, you can start with the with the classics. You can go Alcar to go his name backwards, which is Nort. Oh shit! That means that. Oh shit! Tron's been norted almost no. literally. No, Tron is nort. Nort is Tron. <laughs> well then. Oh, anyway, so the freakish facsimile of Garrett Headland wonders if the freakish facsimile of Jeff Bridges programmed the Keyblade, which baffles the freakish facsimile of Jeff Bridges. And I can't do this shit anymore. Let's just go with your actual names. It's bet they are better this time, and I've run the joke into the ground. Yeah, I can't really think of any good uh, new synonyms from I think I used all up the ones I could think of from the sources last time. So, yeah, OK. 
Yep. Okay. Yeah. The actual names we have are Kevin Flynn, Sam Flynn, and Cora. And I'm never going to remember any of these games because this world is way too weird. Yeah. So I pulled up a dictionary we were talking about earlier. Cora might be derived from Italian for heart, but it seems like it's kind of a stretch to suggest that. And that might just be people online stretching for meaning. You can't see it because this is an audio medium, but I am pogging so hard right now. I want it to be true. <laughs> oh, shit. She's the grid's heart. Yeah, when I see Cora, I just think of the the shitty online question and answer site. Hmm. Isn't that Q-U-O-R-A, though? Yeah, it's, it's the same thing, R? except it misses, it's missing one R. Hmm. Hmm. So what you're saying is that she is a dispenser of bad advice. Yes. Well, I mean, she's more of a dispenser of, of generic action lines in the movie, but... <laughs> well... Yeah. So anyway, let's get back to the shit happening currently in progress. <laughs> Tron takes a codec call and does a sick flip over Sora to run away. And then Sora gets to meet some new people. Yep. Yep. Is it, is it, our, our Rinsler Tron here is mostly about sick flips and, and uh, action fights. Yeah. Cora yep. comments on the Keyblade and Sora calling them both impressive programs, which Sora, without any awareness of the world border. Order. order says that he's not a program and shows off the Keyblade. <laughs> By the way, Sam and, Sam and Kevin really should be reacting to the fact his kid's claiming to be another user when there shouldn't be any in this world. True, yeah. yeah. They don't even notice. Yep. Uh, this this, this program's clearly glitched out, forget it. Yep. Sora confirms that he's met Tron, which weirds out his new friends, which it should. Because, <laughs> spe- specifically speaking, Sora hasn't been to this version of this world. <laughs> Flynn goes on to tell a story about how he and Tron created this place, and then Clue just staged a coup. Clue's coup. The clue, the coup for coup. Clue, it's or then we have Clue's clues, where he tries to identify base himself with a blue dog. Yes, yep. it has to find three various, very simple things hidden around a house. Clearly, this is proof humanity is not perfect. They cannot figure it out without my assistance. I have my notes. Sora, meanwhile, is wondering where the hell Ansem the Wise fits in all this, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and Sora just admits he has no idea what's going on. Like, most of this is over my head. I mean, yeah. oh, no, Tron's evil. That's horrible. That's the only thing I figured out. Yep. Yeah, Tron, yeah, Tron was de and turned into the new program. That's all we've learned. We already said, yeah, we definitely covered this already. But was talking about the movie and just before here, it just... It really is a weird waste of the actor. Everyone like to joke with Sean. This Bruce Boxleitner is actually very likable. So the mm-hmm. fact is he gets th- 45 seconds of screen time in the real world in the movie. And then one uh, AVR line over over the characters falling to his doom at the end. It's just very sad. Oh, no. Jeff Bridges makes a comment about programs completely changing if you mess with him a little. And I sure hope that's not a side we're going to be doing stuff with Coded. Please don't let Coded be relevant. Also, we're running on hacking shit. We're going to cause some real problems. Oh, no. Yeah, true. Of course, Sora doesn't really understand any of this. So his primary motivation is just to turn Tron back. So I guess our goals are mostly aligned. Yeah. Yeah, I have in my notes a freaky specsimile of Jeff Bridges takes like five seconds of animation time to move his arms a little before continuing the conversation, which was notable enough for me to comment on. What's that about? I can't really remember. The script I occasionally use for notes isn't perfect, but describes that moment as Flynn opens his arms in a Zen-like motion. (laughs) (laughs) It it is a very awkward scene, is all I can say about it. 
Well, it, if, because they're not really using any of Tron Legacy's plots, except for a couple very basic moments, it makes the characters very weird and just hanging out. Yeah, uh, it, it it's kind of this world does not do a very good job of even retelling the story of the movie that it's based on. Mm-hmm. Well, it's very weird the way worlds are divided in Kingdom Hearts to have them being from like the human world in this computer world. It doesn't really fit. And I think that's where the story is struggling because they're not they're trying not to address that too hard. Yeah. Clue probably has a backup of Tron's source code, so we got to get that back. Clue diligent enough to use version control. I guess he should be. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope you would program AI to know how to use version control if you got to have code with them. I mean, Clue is kind of a mess in general, but I mean, I guess he's supposed to be perfect organization. So, yeah, you definitely wouldn't have a AI program to do version control like an artist and just like make a new version with a different file name every time upload that to your source code. <laughs> Tron final, Tron final two, Tron final final, Tron final <laughs> final second revision. Yep, exactly. He just, and he, he just deploys by like dragging and dropping. Uh, <laughs> He's uh, uh, what is it? Hunt and peck. Is that what it's called? <laughs> I don't even know. I'm just I'm just imagining uh, now since, you, you know, Tron was back in the 80s. It's just like, oh, Jesus, this is a this is a legacy system. And I have to use <laughs> punch cards to oh, program God. Tron. <laughs> If you mess up the order, it's going to be completely wrong. Be careful, Ansem. Well, I mean, back in the 80s at Tron, you could still talk. You could talk with the programs over over um, uh, computer street somehow. But yeah, <laughs> Cora decides she wants to hang out with a good boy while Flynn's fuck off. We're off to the solar sailor. We're out of the plot later. Yep. So, and also, there's a solar sailor. The grid has no sun in either movie. It's a very dark place. Like kind of computer shiny, but always very twilight. So why is it solar sailor? Um, I mean, at the very least, the first one had much more of a vaporwave aesthetic, and there's always a big neon sun in vaporwave. <laughs> Play Paradise Killer; it's cool. Yep. And right now, I guess is when Clue learns about Keyblades and decides that he has to catch Sora in order to get out into the real world. Yep, that sounds about right. It's not even that. It's not even that. Like Rins, like our Rinsler hands him his disc. We picks up a picture of Sora. I was like, "Huh, a Keyblade?" And that's it. <laughs> well, maybe I'm he's just thinking about that kind of thing. I'm just putting maybe, uh, but putting the putting the the steps together. I guess doing more work on the plot than they did. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is kind of fun, but it is super disconnected in this world. And like I said, the plot is kind of flailing. Yep. So on the Soiler Sailor, we find one of the more annoying level designs in Dream Drop Distance and already an annoying level design. (laughs) Basically, it is a big train with multiple boxes on multiple levels that you have to navigate through. It is one of the more complicated train levels I've ever seen in a video game combined with uh, extra maze stuff with hacking. And that's mentioned the way Dream Eaters fight hang and knock you all over the place. You get turned around super easy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's really easy to lose your progress if you die, and I died a lot on critical mode, so I pretty much rushed to the end of this level eventually. I use the Joseph Joestar special technique. Sorry for the Jojo reference. No, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we made it to the throne ship, whatever that is. We find out the source code is not here. Maybe Clue has it? <laughs> I don't know. Cora's like, I guess Clue took it with him, which kind of makes sense, seeing how everything here is some sort of weird physical media anyways. Yep, and then a wild Rinsler appears. Attack. Run. Hold up. 
He tries. He tries a good old SMT uh, negotiate. Sora does. Yep. Sora d- tries to negotiate with him. I start calling him Tronsler in my notes. I think that's a better name. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, it sounds even closer to tr- to Twizzlers at this point, but <laughs> it's still better than Rinsler. <laughs> Twizzlers are yummy. Don't at me. Of course, like, this isn't your friend anymore. He's not quite the friend you remember. Yep. So I was like, no, nah, he just needs time. <gasps> he needs to get to know me again. Yep. Doesn't actually say it's like a part, but doesn't that feel like it? And then guess who shows up? It's Crypto Hoodie. <laughs> well, first Rinsler, uh, they have a oh, yeah. they have they have they they have a they have a they have a, a chakram fight. Like I said, we definitely need Axel here for this one. Yeah. And then a door shuts where he he has our mercy, and then a door shuts, cutting sore off from them at the outside of the like where they're outside the vehicle. Then Crypto Hoodie shows up. And I have in my notes, Sora is fucking tired of hearing about the blockchain. Wouldn't it be really annoying to be here about the blockchain while you're inside a computer? It would be more annoying than a regular block learning about the blockchain. Wouldn't you agree? Probably. Oh, that's that's what we do. Put the most me- precious memories in the back of our minds where they're safe. <laughs> yeah, uh, so it went uh, right to the line. Yeah, there, but we should do that. Almost, yeah, that's almost that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, let's do the scene. Or in your case, the most precious hearts. Not you again. The memory and heart are tightly linked. As Sorgat assess, Zemnis walks through as if the voice wasn't a clear enough hint. Zemnis! Rub a few memories together, and you get a spark of emotion. A feeling. But in a digital world, memory does not work like that. Nothing is ever felt. You can hold a thousand, a million times the information but there is still no heart with which to parse it. Once, my master, Ansem, found an old system and made a copy of its master control program and used it to serve his own ends. This is the original data of that system. Here, data can be copied. In a a black void, Sora sees copies of himself coming into existence. Memory can be changed and easily manipulated. Tron is a digital entity, so why would he be any different? He obeys the rules of this world. Sora, what about you? Me? Your heart, memories, your data, and your dreams. The bits and bytes that have made up your life so far. Can you say for sure that they are not just copies of someone else's? Yes, my memories and feelings belong to me. You'd better check. Make certain the box's contents match what's on the label, since you have been chosen. And he leaves through his corridor again. Chosen for what? You think this is the realm of dreams, but there, you are mistaken. Data does not dream, cannot dream. This world is real. You haven't the slightest idea where you are, but you have already wandered off the path. What do you mean? And last, we see the doors are opening and Sora's being struggling against the wind as the scene fades out. <laughs> I love that Zemnis is just completely fine to ham it up wherever and whenever. Just he's always ready to do that. Hello, Sora. I have a new I have a new TED talk for you today. <laughs> I Yeah, like, um... He, he's sort of like reminding us that Anson the Wise made a. This is the world that Anson the Wise made a copy of. Uh, if, if it wasn't kind of that applies, clear. Which kind of implies that even with all the confusion about what hearts are, Sora's really barking up the wrong tree, possibly. 
<laughs> yeah, I have in my notes. So would that mean that Ansem the Wisest Tron is the data store to this world's Tronsler? Oh, no. Is Coded going to be relevant? I mean, you keep doing this to yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, let's talk about this scene a little bit more just because I love the philosophy stuff that's going on in there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, Xemnas is going on about the how do you know your memories are real thing. I mean, yeah. which is what, like a very that's pulling back all the way to Final Fantasy seven. I wonder if Nomura's into something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's all it's that he it's just ideas like, are you sure you're the same box? You started? I was like, well, that's a weird way to go about it. Xemnas is a lot more amusingly casual in how he talks. Oh, yeah. Know? It's, he's still completely over the top, but he's talking like rub memories together to get a spark. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> he's like a like now that he's not the cult leader, now that he's just a part of the cult, he's just like allowing himself to go full philosophy major on us. No, he's something. Right? He's just appeared out of nowhere. I think part of it, too, is that he knows he's talking to Sora and he's just like, <laughs> let's see how much I can fuck with this kid. <laughs> let's OK. <laughs> setting syllable restriction to two. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now let's go on. <laughs> <laughs> so we just we, now we crossfade the sword in some sort of big arena. Yep. An announcer declares that it is to be combatant 13 versus Rinsler. That's pretty cheap. Uh, ha, 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 I see what you did there. Yep. Clue comes up with Rinsler and Sork calls him on a shit with some incredible dialogue. You're the one who did this to Tron. Who is that? Is someone going to do a Clue voice? Anyone know how to do it, Jeff Bridges? Uh, just do a gravelly voice, Matt. I had to repurpose his code. Well, then unrepurpose it. <laughs> I, I love Sora's dialogue in this game. Sora's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just going to go straight forward. Fuck, uh, fuck trying to get into the cell these. I'm just going to smash through with a hammer until I break through the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like that clue. He definitely suffers from the fact that he's a an iffy CGI model, but was already a pretty iffy CGI model. So his face is just frozen looking. He's a demiurge <laughs> of a demiurge. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't even know when we're talking about graphics at this point, but <laughs> yeah, Clue wants that keyblade. Sora won't give it to him. Another amazing little line of dialogue. This is what lights the darkness, a chance to make everyone happy. Yep. <laughs> and I do think that is more or less how Sora sees his keyblade. Yeah. Yeah. Like like he is basically just all in this about making people happy. That's his only real goal in life right now. And I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not terrible, but it's something that can have you a pretty um, walk in some pretty easily manipulated ways. True. True. It also can be self-destructive in the wrong circumstances. So far, Sora has managed to not do that. Yep. Clue just six Rinsler on us because he is tired of this friendship bullshit. He just wants that keyblade. Damn it. Cora shows up to say she managed to escape. So it seems Sora's words got through to Rinsler for a moment. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, I, that seems pretty full of it, but it's what she says. So maybe she's just making Sora feel better. Maybe. So we, so we do get the Sora versus Rinsler fight, and this yeah. one is actually a very difficult one. Oh, let's Here's talk the- about this. So let's first let me say what I like about this fight. The music here, Rinsler recompiled, is a great track. Honestly, I like a lot of the boss tracks in Dream Drop Distance, and, well, this is continuing that trend. But... Shortly before I played Dream Drop Distance, I had played a little bit of Elden Ring. And so I now have this little point of comparison for how some of these fights feel. This is very much a Demon Souls Elden Ring style fight to me. Utterly ridiculous attack patterns that are very annoying to deal with. He seems to have no hits done and he has a lot of cheap shots that he'll use. Like he even messes with the environment. 
yeah, like um, I don't know if he has a actual like revenge counter in this game in the way previous games have. It's just kind of like absolute bullshit. Like the problem is that he has like a lot of attacks that do a do way too much damage. Oh, yeah. Like, and then he disorients you by flipping the field. So you have to completely re- reorient how you're standing and everything. And then by that point, he's running up and falls on you from the, from the sky. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like the, the flipping the room is like would be interesting and cool if it wasn't for the fact that it's also like a really technical fight that you have to like be on your toes all the time. Yeah. It wasn't quite as miserable for me because I refused to fight in a critical mode anymore, but it definitely was <laughs> one that made impression me as pretty tough still. Yeah. Yeah. It was tough even on normal. Oh, yeah. I won with a solid buildup of good defense counters and Karagas, followed by rolling over him with a sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Clues like this just doesn't make any fucking sense. Yep. Where where did the sheep come from? After the fight, we get a bit of a Tronsler vision as the model of Tronsora from KH2 is overlaid on our current Sora. Well, it's more of the whole thing where Ansem absolutely had no idea how hearts work. So apparently they can just transmit data between versions. I don't know. Uh, morphogenic fields. I don't know if we'll ever be able to make that reference. What's that one again? Uh, Matt knows what I'm talking about. He's played 999. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Matt is keep thinking how Sam Max, they argued the ending wasn't so bad and makes the all share memories. Oh, no. <laughs> I still need to play the rest of uh, of of that series, but I started uh, the next one and uh, uh, Zero the Third is like my favorite villain already. <laughs> That's the one that gets compared to Myokuma. Uh Zero the Third is more like uh Kyubei, I would say. But I guess same, I'm not gonna say co- I have no comment about Zero the Third right now. <laughs> anyway, anyway, let's go on with this. Uh yep. So Sora somehow he he calls up his, his hacky terminal. Kind of fun to see it happening in the plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he hits a button and Transler just falls over. Computer yeah. stuff happens and he falls over. Yep. Clue tries to take a cheap shot, but then Tron gets up to save Sora. Yay! Ring smashes the panel behind him, and he falls through. Sora's face reflected in the visor. This is a dramatic shot. Everyone yep. who respects filmmaking should see this shot. No, it's like <laughs> it should be taught in every filmmaking class. Was that the joke? I forget the joke. I don't. Oh, uh, it, well, it's from Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, it was. God, what an no. annoying meme. So then Korra shows up to comfort Sora and they both acknowledge that Tron is still in there somewhere. Yep. And that and it's uh, never been clear if that ocean down there kills people, kills them or not. But whatever. Yep. They're friends. Not sure if any of that will come up again. Sora ponders the question of if his memories are his own because uh, Xemnas's philosophy lecture got to him. Also, there have been other times when Sora's memories have not, in fact, been his own. So True. remember True. that time. Gosh, there's a lot. I mean, Xemnas is kind of trolling Sora there, but it's also like very effective way to troll Sora because at this point he has to realize, oh, I've been pulled apart and put together so many times and there's people in me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like he's saying like, well, even walking the wrong path, the hearts will lead us to the light. I'll be like Tron. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what his impression of being like Tron is there, but. Yep. Gets ready to awaken the sleeping keyhole and we get the dual disc keyblade. Which is a pretty cool keyblade, actually. Not the dual disc from Yu-Gi-Oh! The <laughs> dual disc. Homophones. Yay! <laughs> yeah, it kind of just looks like a cool, like, tronified keyblade that's made out of two of the rings where you yeah, have yeah. one Look. of them and the other one's the key. Yep. So, all right, then, let's drop over to Riku's side. 
Now, I all I can think of is like a bad slide whistle sound effect. Now, I might find a bad slide whistle sound and uh, throw it in there at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Riku needs to collect exactly one point during his dive. And you had better believe this is one of the more annoying things to get a gold on. I don't even know what they're going for here at this point. It uh, It's not worth getting into. After the dive, Riku phases in wearing neon light Tron like clothes, and he wonders if the world is special due to the clothes change. I have in my notes. Is this the effect of dreaming or is Donald lying about changing Sora and Goofy with magic? No mortal must know these things. Yeah, it is pretty weird to know if it is one or the other, and we probably shouldn't ask. It's always so vague how much they even talk about if, if there's changes in the world or not. Oh, yeah. I remember the change back in uh, the back of the Pride Lands. They didn't even find all that interesting, as I recall. True, they true. Know that happened, whatever. Oh, this makes sense, I think. Well, Riku, it doesn't have much time to ponder because he's immediately being attacked by ships. Yep. He gets apprehended by the security force, just like Sora did. Unfortunately, he doesn't get away like Sora did. He no. ends up he just ends up on a weird ship and he well, meets Sam Flynn. Well, rather than being grabbed by two guys, a giant claw machine picks him up. So it's a little tougher. Yeah. And a bunch of programs and sci-fi come pick him up, calling him another stray. On the ship, Riku meets Sam Flynn, who informs Riku they're in the grid. Title drop. And they immediately just drop Riku to the light cycle area. Yep. We get another good song called Keyblade Cycle. It's kind of fun. <laughs> And in fact, this light cycle minigame is more fun than Kingdom Hearts 2 is in my mind. It's more coherent. The same thing happened in the in the movie. They kind of they took away the right angle conceit from the light cycles. They're just kind of, you know, motorcycles now. And you're using the ribbon from the light cycle to derez other dudes on light cycles. Like and or shooting things with a laser gun. Yeah, laser guns are good. And then a giant horde at nightmare shows up on Rex your day in critical mode because Square cannot balance their shit. <laughs> Again, I, I never have any problem with light cycle minigames. It's kind of I don't know if it's difficulty level because this is the second time I'm amused by what seems to have driven you mad. Dream Drop Distance has pretty bad balance for critical mode because it clearly was not designed for it. And they did not like actually put any thought into it like they do with two or three. Hmm. Anyway, after we chase off the giant hornet nightmare, we get a cool line from Riku. I think I've had enough entertainment for one day. Same, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so he just shoots a heart hole in the wall. Yes, how do that? That's so cool. That's so cool. I love it. <laughs> I, all I, the thing, all, the thing is, all I can think is Care Bear Stare. So I <laughs> think <laughs> <laughs> they're not Disney. They'd be terribly, ter- terribly powerful in this in this universe. Mm-hmm. So after we're done with the light cycle minigame and Riku blasts his heart shaped hole in the wall to escape, Sam Flynn shows up, happy that we escaped the games. Yep. He knows a way off the grid, which Riku is not impressed by, but decides he's got to go figure out where it is. And he learns about a portal to the real world. Yeah, <laughs> Sam's going out about how he came here and he opened a portal. And the portal will close soon. None of this should apply to Riku at all. At all. Yep. Unless, the, so unless the role is unless it's quite a leap. He has to fulfill his role. That I have in my notes that a freakish facsimile of Garrett Hudland explains that the clue is a freakish facsimile of a freakish facsimile of Jeff Bridges. Facsimileception. Gee, you had to unretire the joke just for that. I do. I had to entire unretire the joke first just for that, because that was from okay. my no- quote notes and I thought it was funny. So then we get a flashback of father and son there, which. Is this just a in- engine scene recreation, guys? 
I think so. And I'm pretty sure it's a pretty uh, weak just retelling of the lines like I have to you have to go while there's still time and Clue will do stuff and whatever. So kind of like the same uh, kind of in engine recreation bullshit that they did in Pirates of the Caribbean world. To some degree, but at least I said I, I once again, uh, these characters, are they all texture face models like with their animation? No, they, I think I don't remember if they're texture face or not. I think they are not texture faced in this game. I think they are real faced. Hmm. So it doesn't it's a, it doesn't really as so you don't see the PSPs or the original PS2s um, face flapping problems. So, right, right. Yeah, that's but it's still, the it's still very stiff and weird looking. So I do think I think one thing that might help them here is rather than Port Royale's really dark, like dingy lighting, which is, you know, world, world appropriate, but it kind of makes everyone look hollow and 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 dirty and dirty looking. Yeah. This one, you got kind of the fanciful blue lighting of everything, which kind of gives makes everything look more unreal. And I think kind of helps fight the uh, fight, fight the uncanny. Fan. You have a good point there. You have a good point. Mm-hmm. I, think I like that. Right. I do think the I do think the animation is a little bit improved anyways, but I think that's a, a, another helpful factor is things are just that much more unreal. So their their animation overall has just been improving game by game. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we're we saw encoded at least that they had pretty good uh, animations to work off of. But. And it's continuing yeah. on here. So let's explore the grid. It's mostly it's, monsters. Yeah. After one monster swarm, Sam shows up carrying an unconscious Korra along with Kevin. Which and none of them question Riku at all. They're just like, well, oh, so Riku's, okay. Riku's not listen, Riku's not questioning of these two older guys walking around carrying an unconscious girl either. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I have to find a solar sailor again. And we get another flashback, a stolen disc, which feels unnecessary. Just going on that. I don't even remember what the deal was. They're like stealing. Di- I said, I think it was they stole Flynn's disc, which was, you know, the gates open. You needed that for some reason. Hmm. Like, yeah, there, there's a lot of dumb MacGuffins in this plot. Mm-hmm. We, don't, it's a, we don't even get go to go to the program nightclub where the most obvious betrayal ever happens. So on the solar sailor, Ke- Sam and Kevin try to fix Cora and we learn that she is an ISO, a whole new life form. And Riku <laughs> just like wonders if it's anything like a nobody. He's just sort of saying this. Like, I don't know what's going on. This is so weird, though. Yeah. Yeah, I have in my notes, Jeff Bridges seems pretty excited about ISOs as their artificial existences. And wow, Tron Legacy is pretty Gnostic, huh? Anyway, Clue is a demiurge and wants to destroy the ISOs. As yeah, I, I said, <laughs> the ISOs, as, as we covered in our talk about the movie, the ISOs spontaneously generate their miracle Flynn can't explain. And Clue, as the, you know, the I will take over this world and make it mine and then take over other worlds. He hates that. <laughs> Yep. It's not something nice and tidy. It's not something he made. He already for a genocide. And since he has no idea how to made, if she dies, there'll probably never be any again or something. I don't Speaking know. of that, I'm kind of amused that Organization 13 has no real use for Clue at this point. They're not. He seems like like maybe like if it was Maleficent, he, she might recruit him or something like that. But the organization has no use for him and just like lets him do what he wants while just fucking with uh, Sora and Riku oh. while here. We don't even, well, remember, we don't even know what the organization is doing if there is an organization at the moment. We've just kind of seen various uh, Xehanorts. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and Crypto Hoodie. <laughs> yep. I mean, I, I know we're going ahead there, but sort of, honestly, at this point, though, and Clue strikes me as he does not play well with others, like yeah. not as horrible a person as Frollo, but he would not be interested in anything other than his own plans yeah. for making a, a yeah. world of perfection, probably. Oh, I feel like a lot of the villains we get in this game are kind of on the do not hire list of yeah, Maleficent. Pretty much. <laughs> not going to hire that one. 
<laughs> that one hates witches already, and even without that, ew. What am I going to do with a whale? <laughs> All right. So Riku de- demonstrates more of his character growth and understanding of the plot by tying Kevin's plight to his own, comparing it to Ansem. We all have a little bit of that curiosity in us. So if we're not careful, any one of us could create Ansem. <laughs> yeah. It, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. He's like, just thinking about how when you, he basically he's I, we didn't say the whole one of he's going on about how obsession blinds you to other things. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And I guess he does see see Clue as essentially Kevin's Ansem. Like and I want to bring up here right now, like I like when they try and tie the Disney worlds into either the themes of the story they're telling or the uh, way they're developing the characters in Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. And Dream Drop Distance does a good job of that. Like yep. it's giving Riku another chance to breathe and kind of just explore his own character. Yeah. So with two and and with um with what we saw in three feet days, it's still nice that he gets this extra time to really just assert himself as the real him again and just kind of absorb yeah. what he what he realized. Like because mm. remember he's been he's been through a roller coaster. This is the first game after that, if you think about it for him. True, yeah. He hasn't like we haven't had much with him until since we did 358, but yeah, this is the first well, game. Three, well, 358's before two, so he's still yeah. in the middle of that messed up journey of his. Yep. So uh, we get diverted to a factory-ish place, and Korra runs ahead to distract a guard. Sam wants to save her, and Riku holds him back, so we're off to the throne ship with Sam. See, so yeah, Riku just doesn't have a cool friend in this world. He just has Sam. <sighs> well, at least you can put him in front of stuff, and he'll block the hits for you. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, not in the game, but you wonder that Sora's like, Riku's like, I don't hate him actively, but I just don't care. Yep. So we make it to the throne ship, fight some dudes, get on a plane to head towards the portal. Really, there's not much story or character beats after that one little bit on the Sora Sailor. Let's just get to the portal already. Get to the portal. Get to the portal. No, that's well, clues there. Yeah. And he has his own NFT to show us, the Comantis, which has more cool fight music, Gigabyte Mantis. Like it almost seems like a pun that's not quite there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I like this fight. It's a cool Kingdom Hearts monster fight, just like we kind of want. There's a bit of rail grinding that you get to do to fight it. You have to hack the boss to win. It works. I love it. Riku has good boss fights so far. Yeah, better than the Rinsler fight, which was just painful. And after the fight, Kevin gets to finish the Tron legacy plot. I mean, the Tron legacy plot literally is just... Uh, apparently, Kevin always, uh, Flynn always had the ability to reabsorb Clue, though in the movie makes a point he's pretty sure that will kill him. Mm. Mm. So that's what we're seeing happen. It's like he just vacuums him, him in by, with the power of his posing. <laughs> yep. It sounds like something uh, something you do in a JoJo series. No, I mean in that you in that you just you just drain blood through your fingertips and or just absorb them with your body if we're yeah. to. <laughs> you schmoom them. I think is the word that, that was smooth. Uh, it was smooth. I almost said it was smooth. Yeah, you smooth them like a Joseph Bizarre explainer is explaining it. Yeah, yeah, other podcasts. One of the inspirations for this one. It's a big old fight that doesn't do anything for Kingdom Hearts and Reach just kind of sits off to the side and watches the whole thing. He just kind of watches it at the end. He's just like, neat. And then he starts walking off. It was, I don't remember whose Twitter joke it was saying, this is what Kingdom Hearts is. We see Aladdin doing his, doing that where he's taking the lamp and Goku saying the background watching. Yep. <laughs> Old joke, but so I think for scenes like this. Yeah, scenes like this uh, are very much like that, where it's just kind of like a 
the Disney story or whatever is happening in the foreground, and then in the background, we just have our dipshits that are wandering through the some world. Sort of, like some sort of shonen character. Some yeah. sort of shonen character. A shonen dipshit waving at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, we have Sora and Riku, Riku photobombing Disney plots. Isn't that what happens in three with the uh, selfies? Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. I can't wait to talk about that. Oof. Riku also gets a duel with his keyblade as he gets ready to awaken the sleeping keyhole. Also, in like Kingdom these Hearts 3, the loading weird. screens are actually social media posts, and it's hilarious. It's so good. I love it. I can't wait for you to get there, Jared. You have to some... You have What's the social media explanation in a, in a Kingdom Hearts world? Sora has a gummy phone, and it has social media on it. Yep. I just keep thinking of Cure Insta from Pre-Cure. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway... After we clear both sides of the grid, we get another scene for Kingdom Hearts characters, which will actually matter this time. Do we have a voice for Alice? I forget. I think it's Matt's for Alice, right? Or I think you so. just do a, you just very much do the gravel. <laughs> OK, did anyone do did anyone do uh, Zexion? I mean, Yenzo, though, you want to do it? I, mean, I guess he just kind of has the young sort of the youngish like 10. Yeah, years, I believe. Yeah, I think so. He's not as nasal so a, as as Evan. I believe they're in the Ansem's office, like still in the same yeah, place yeah. as when Tifa punched the walls. Yep. And Lee's just kind of storming around. Where are they? I've turned this castle upside down. Hey, are the other two still out cold? Dylan and Evan are conscious again, but unstable. They're resting inside. Gotcha. Well, I guess I'll give the castle grounds a sweep. Don't. If they were back, we would have found them by now. So do you think they were blasted off to some other world or what? I highly doubt it. When someone who's lost their heart is recompleted, they should return to the place where it happened. And if that world is unavailable for whatever reason, a refuge is made for them in the realm between. A world called Traverse Town. They will be sent there. Or perhaps... No, look, okay, the fact is, we're here. We've been recompleted, right? So they should be here too, plain and simple. I agree, it is strange. What a drag. Could they not have been recompleted at all? Well, you see. Ah, forget it. You know what? I'll bring them back myself. Huh? How exactly? Why do I always get stuck with the icky jobs? <laughs> I find the interesting implications as Traverse Town, where people were dumped there, is that they became heartless briefly and then came back and there was no world. Oh, yeah. You <laughs> imply that almost like the Keyblade kind of did that halfway to Sora when his world was destroyed. Mm. So... And that's why he originally appeared there, isn't it? Yep. So they're talking about Ansem, or rather Xehanort and Brig here, right? Yeah. Evan is as conscious but unstable. Yeah, we already knew that about him. And yeah. Dylan's not worth anything. <laughs> and yeah. Dylan, no one cares about Dylan that. can stay where he is. Dylan yeah. can stay there. <laughs> yeah. So that was the grid. That was weird. Let's not do that again. <laughs> Fortunately, we don't have Oof. Yeah, we're done with the grid, and since I'm not doing completion, I'll never go back there. Good. Next time, Jared, the whitest guy around, might try to rap because we're going to do Prankster's Paradise to check in on Pidocchio. Oh, I'm still not sure if that's a good idea. Oh, well. But anyways, until that, until that time, I'm Jared. I'm John. And I'm Matt. Remember, a good story is best enjoyed with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlog dialogues. 
If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release. My notes are once again filled with freakish facsimiles because this is another live action to video game world transition. All right, well, let me say strange. that again. I ran out of breath. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're doing this again, folks. We're breaking my brain again. <laughs> You're the one who keeps doing it to yourself. I never ask you to. I don't think Matt does either. Nope. Oh, trust me. I have so many plans for what I'm going to do in the future to break my brain that none of you asked me to do. <laughs> oh, no. Can't wait to see what you decide is when they cry completionism. I mean, when they cry completionism is reading both the visual novel and the manga together. But there's audio dramas, there's Omake, there's that weird thing where... It's only those two together. ...and there's magic girls. No, we're not doing any of that. <laughs> share and enjoy, share and enjoy. Oh, is that what go- I actually never heard the radio. Is that, does they have a jingle for it? Oh, they have a wonderful jingle for it in the radio play. The radio drama version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is the best version. I can certainly believe that. I just realized I actually didn't know. I just know almost entirely the text. Like, the Sharon the Joy song is from the original one, too. Like, um, they the original radio drama just is far and away the best version. And then they go on and readapt uh, the books that were made after the radio drama into the radio drama again. And those are better than the books. Sorry. Start, start with the digression. <laughs> <laughs> Were the was the Gummy Bears animated uh, thing Disney or was that something else? That was Disney, but they didn't have anything to do with hearts, right? Yeah, no, they did. No, they, no, just... they just drank drugs to do a become rubber balls. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I always figure it's like that's just their homemade meth. Oh no, because <laughs> <laughs> it makes them hyperactive and bounce everywhere. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> and then it shows oh, up no. in Ducktales being made by a criminal mastermind. So. God, I can't even think of a Breaking Bad reference to throw in there, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> I am so... the I am the one who bounces. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that's going in there, or maybe an anarchist <laughs> keep. <laughs> so after say, say my name, Chubby <laughs> Bear, Papa You're Bear. You're goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't remember. Oh no, no, I actually want to repeat that one because I got the names wrong. Okay, go for it. <laughs> you can go to the same. Say my Same. name. Zummy Gummy. You're goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, no, we need, to, we need to have it with... So, say my name. Zummy Gummy. You're goddamn right. <laughs> there we go. They, I think with A, though, we had Grammy, Tummy, Sunny, Cubby. So there were lots of choices. Grammy. Wow. <laughs> I'm All glad right. that I unlocked these awful memories. <laughs> I'm, I don't have I these don't memories. Remember.